Sangram here, super excited. On March 4th, we launched account-based marketing foundations course on LinkedIn in partnership with LinkedIn. There are 19 videos, four minutes and under. So literally in an hour, you can be account-based marketing certified if you have a LinkedIn account. So again, I don't need your email address or anything like that. You can literally go on LinkedIn. If you have a premium account, you can do it for free. If you don't have a premium account, then you can get a 30-day free subscription to that and they will let you take the course. And then you can put that certificate on your LinkedIn saying that you are account-based marketing certified. So good luck. Check it out. It's only going to last for 30 days. So I'm going to have this snippet run for the next few weeks and then it will be gone. So if you want to take this course for free, check it out, go. And this is going to make and change the way you do marketing in your organization. I wasn't evangelizing our software. I was evangelizing the movement of customer success, knowing that if we did that really well, we'd be able to sell software. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of Flip My Funnel Podcast. This is again Tuesday Takeover by my very good friend, Ethan, who has been exploring what it means to be an evangelist. And oh man, what a great conversation with Guy Kawasaki on his journey last Tuesday. So if you didn't listen to that, go tune into that. We had a lot of fun just learning about his journey and his path to what it means to be an evangelist. And so today you have another guest, but Ethan, welcome to the Tuesday Takeover. Thank you. And thank you again for the opportunity. It was such a fun series. And this episode in particular with Dan Steinman, an early, early team member at Gainsight, the customer experience company, you know, we spent years as the chief customer officer where he had control over everything after the sale. Anything that happened after the sale was his responsibility. But, you know, it scaled up to the point where it was just beyond what he wanted to do. He's more of an early stage guy. And so he went to his CEO and, uh, and said, hey, you know, this isn't my thing. I think my work is done here in this role. And the CEO said, yes. And he thought he would send him off and thank him for his contribution. But he said, no, like every time you get in front of a customer, the company gains value. So how about you go do that? Call it whatever you want. And so he called it chief evangelist and, and went on the same journey that, uh, that you and some of the other evangelists we talked to went on, which is how do I get out to the world and let people know that there's a better way to do X? And in this case, it's, you know, engage and retain customers through a, a customer success framework. I'm so excited about this because I know after this, I'm going to be the one you'll be interviewing for this. So I, be, I better have some, some thoughts ready on it. So again, Ethan, thank you for doing this, man. Let's get into the show. Welcome to a new episode in the Chief Evangelist series here on Flip My Funnel. I'm your guest host, Ethan, and I am joined by a gentleman who is joining me from London, and uh, we'll get into why you're there. Dan Steinman, welcome to Flip My Funnel. Hey, Ethan, thanks so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. And as I said, when I first got the offer from you, it's really cool to be alongside names like Guy Kawasaki and some of the others you've talked to. 
Yeah. So thank you. You do share something in common. That's a, a period in your career as a chief evangelist. You're with Gainsight, which is the customer success company and a leading customer success platform. Talk a little bit about Gainsight and, uh, and why you're in London. Yeah. Well, Gainsight's a software company, Silicon Valley software company. And we kind of grew up as a result of the need for additional attention on customers when you put them on subscription. So I talk about it this way. The subscription economy is a tsunami. But when a tsunami happens, lots of big waves, but much smaller than the tsunami, get sucked in behind the tsunami. And customer success is one of those. The subscription economy has led to a change in the, in the software world, for sure, that really puts way more attention on customers than ever before. And it's because you can no longer sell once to a customer and collect all their money and then not pay attention to them. If you sell and put them on a subscription, guess what? Every 12 months or every 24 months, they have the opportunity to say, this isn't working for me. And lots of companies found out in a very rude way that their customers were not that happy with their software. And so at some point, customer success began in the mid-2000s at Salesforce. And Gainsight came along about seven or eight years later and said, you know, that looks like a wave that's really going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people doing that job. And when a lot of people are doing a job, then automation has a chance of making those people more efficient and more productive. So we built a product specifically designed to go uh, into that marketplace of what we call customer success, which largely exists at recurring revenue businesses, i.e. mostly software companies these days. Sure. And so you've been, you've been with the company for years. You're currently running uh, Europe, Middle East, and Asia, kind of getting it up and going. How's that going? Yeah, well, it's really fun. It's been a great adventure. I, I smile when someone says Europe, Middle East, and Asia, or no, I think the A actually technically stands for Africa. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, and I, I just laugh because for us, it's really Europe plus Tel Aviv. That's okay. what it really means. I've never, I've never set foot on African soil. So even though that's technically in my job title, it's not a very big market, right? We sell primarily to tech companies. There's obviously not a lot of those in Africa. Maybe, maybe some in the very south and South Africa, but we haven't found any opportunities there yet. So we're primarily a European-based company. And all we're doing is what every other software company that grew to a certain level did. It said, we better prove to the world that this is more than just a North American market if we're going to become a big company, if we're going to do an IPO someday. So a couple of years ago, I kind of raised my hand and said, yeah, I'll go do that because I like doing startup things. And there was nobody here except me for almost nine months. And that's the epitome of a startup. Perfect. Perfect for you. And, and what a cool opportunity. We were chatting a little before yeah. we started recording about how nice it's been for you and your life. So prior to uh, heading over to London, you left with the title Chief Evangelist. Talk about that title in particular. What did it mean to you personally and or you know, what did it mean for Gainsight? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'll go back a little bit further because the background will be meaningful. When I joined Gainsight, now seven years ago, I was Chief Customer Officer, which means I owned everything after the deal signed. So that's support, services, training, customer success, et cetera, et cetera, renewal, all of that kind of stuff. That's a big job. It was a really fun job. I did it for about three and a half years, but I am truly a startup guy. And when things get to a certain level of scale, I'm better off getting out of the way. And so I did. I went to my CEO and I said, I'm not the guy to run this. It's clear we're going to become a big company. I'm not a process guy. I'm not a data guy in that way. I said, I think you need someone else to run this business. And I just assumed 
because I've worked for a lot of CEOs in my life and I kind of know how they operate. I assumed that he would shake my hand and say, okay, uh, thanks for your time at Gainsight. You know, good luck in whatever you do after Gainsight. And he smiled at me and he said, yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I've got somebody in mind. I'd like you to stay around. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, this, these were the words that stuck with me. He said, I've noticed that every single time you talk to a customer or a prospect, the value of our company goes up. So I want you to do that more. That was my job description. Go talk to prospects and customers more often. And I said, okay, I guess I can do that. So I, I named it. I said, how about chief evangelist? He said, yeah, that's fine. It's what you're already doing. So I named it. And basically, I set off to just find as many opportunities to talk to groups of people. Sometimes the groups were one or two people. Sometimes they were hundreds or thousands, but really just to spread the word about customer success. It wasn't about gainsight. I wasn't evangelizing our software. I was evangelizing the movement of customer success, knowing that if we did that really well, we'd be able to sell software in, in behind that. So that's how it started. It was a lot of fun. It's really fun, especially if you love hotel rooms and airplanes. Okay. It's a total blast, which means for a guy my age, it was a total blast for about three months. And then I did it for another 15 before I finally found something else to do. Sure. So it sounds like you had the privilege of just kind of following your own instinct and, and best judgment on it. You're obviously deeply wrapped in Gainsight, but more importantly, as you drew out there in the spirit of customer success and what it means and some passion behind that, was there any structure to it at all? Like what was your approach to go out and, you know, to teach the world, you know, uh, Guy Kawasaki called it, you know, bringing the good news yeah. or, or spreading the news. And, you know, so what was your approach to that? Was it systematic or was it, you know, just fill up the calendar? I assume this is pretty loose. Your CEO says, you know, go spread the word. Yeah, it was pretty loose. We did try for a while to figure out, is there some set of metrics that I could put around it? And it was probably mostly for me to try to feel like there was something measurable that I was having an impact on. And basically, we came to a conclusion that it would just be the number of people that I had spoken to which just it wasn't really that meaningful. So we, we tracked it for a while, then we kind of stopped tracking it. So at least initially, it was very loose. Basically, what I said was to the whole company, any conference you hear about, any customer kickoff, any group of customer success people who need somebody or who want somebody from inside or, or from anywhere to come and speak to them, put my name up, and I'll do as many of those as I possibly can. So it was, it was really very scattershot at the beginning. Along the way... I did have another guy who worked for me, whose name is also on our book, Lincoln Murphy, and he was basically doing the same thing. So then we got a little bit more kind of systematic about it, like which events do you really want to target? What are other good targets? We found that VC firms and private equity firms were really good targets because they would be willing to put us in front of their whole portfolio. So we would be able to, and that was really our goal was get in front of as many companies as possible. And of course, the easiest way to do that is if 50 of them are in the room at the same time, instead of going one at a time. And that really had power for us because if, if your investor or the company that owns you in the case of private equity is saying, customer success is really important, listen to this guy who knows something about it, then we got a lot of attention and we, we, t we just created a ton of credibility really fast by speaking to those groups, by basically not charging. For the most part, we didn't charge for those speaking engagements. We were truly just evangelists. Give me a podium and a soapbox, and I'll stand up and talk for customer, about customer success 
for as little as 40 minutes and for as long as four days, whatever you want, you just tell me. So yeah, it was pretty informal at the beginning. And then we tried to formalize it a little bit, but it still was kind of the same thing with this. How many companies can we get in front of without killing ourselves on airplanes and hotels? Yeah, that's a tough lifestyle, at least for me. As you said, some people thrive in it, and you did for a couple months. Was there any formal handoff? I assume that when you're out doing this, that you get hand raises, like kind of soft sales inquiries. Were you? I mean, I assume you generated some inbound sales opportunities. Did you have a just hand those off and you talk a little bit about that connection? I know that isn't the mission. I know it's not the direct purpose, but I assume that it is a, an immediate consequence of your activity. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly right, Ethan. And then I think in the back of our minds, maybe even in the front of our minds, was that idea that this clearly isn't just altruistic. Although we, we did not ever set out to say, let's try to tie this to ROI or tie, tie it to a certain number of deals. But we knew that if we did this well, it was going to help the company in the long run. And the great news is, and I would say to any CEO thinking about this, you have to be really committed to this because you are going to have a hard time proving that it has value. But CEOs, good CEOs with good instincts do a lot of things that they can't prove immediately have value. They just know. And in this case, my CEO just knew that the more we spread the word, the more credibility we would gain, the more software we would sell. So I never stood up in front of crowd, I don't think, and ever said, hey, you know, I work for Gainsight. If you want to talk about Gainsight, come see me afterwards and find me on LinkedIn. But invariably, when people wanted to talk to me after, it would, maybe half the time, it would be about customer success kind of philosophically. But the other half would be about what does your technology do? I like your message. We've got eight people trying to do some form of what you're talking about. How does your technology work? So it did lead to some immediate leads. Uh, and obviously do the first conversation and then get them in touch with or get a salesperson to call them immediately after if they wanted that. I was always really careful to not... I probably went too far in the direction of not being at all salesy mm-hmm. to the point where, where I even tried to avoid it as opposed to looking for those opportunities. My sales guys in here in London who work for me would say, Dan is kind of the least salesy person in the world and we have to sometimes push him to be a little bit more pushier about being said. So, but it, it does, it just comes to you. There's just enough people and we just instinctively knew there were enough people out there who had the problems that we could solve. And we would talk about those in the bigger scheme of customer success. Invariably, they would ask us, what does your technology do? How would it help? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we call it a little bit edu sales when we're in that, in that zone. And it's this, to your point there, gosh, I, your message really resonated with me. How can I resolve or participate in, in these things you offer? Uh, you're right there with a CEO considering it, which is a great angle. What characteristics, what are some signs for any executive out there that's thinking about, should our company have this function? How would we support it is now the time? What are some of the markings or characteristics that you would suggest that a company think seriously about doing something like a chief evangelist? Yeah, the first one is probably pretty clear. And that is, if you're doing what we were doing, which was creating a new category. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that, somebody is being chief evangelist. It's probably four or five people, some parts of four or five people. Clearly, the chief chief evangelist is always the CEO. But if he wants somebody to specifically do that role... And I think it's necessary when you are carving out a new category. And by the way, before I was at Gainsight, I was at Marketo, and we basically did the same job. We did the same thing. We did not ever 
give someone that title, but one of our founders who ran our marketing organization basically taught the world how to do how to do digital demand generation. And it was it was purely evangelism. Most of what he did was evangelism. We never called it that, but it was the same thing. It was like, here's how the new world works. Here's how technology plays into that new world. Here's how you ought to be starting to think about it. Right? It was this all these best practices, thought leadership. And when I moved from Marketo to Gainsight, I, I want to do that same thing. I want to do exactly what he did. I want to teach the world how customer success works. And not that we're not that we had a corner on the intelligence, but because we've talked to so many companies, we have a corner on the kind of plethora of information that comes from the hundreds, even thousands of companies we've talked to. So new category, I think you have to choose to do this. You've got to create content and you can either say it's CEO's job or everyone on the executive team, or you can say one person's primary job is this, but everyone else is also participating. The other thing is very similar, I would say, and that is if you're trying to prove that the thing you're doing is a really new, much better version of the way it was done before, which mm-hmm. is kind of true for every software vendor, right? They're all saying, well, if you're tired of Excel, buy our product because it's way better than Excel, right? So it's like the sales pitch of 70% of all software companies. Sure. But what I would say is, if you can paint persona to whom you're selling or the users of your product as the new way of doing this thing, then you can put a chief evangelist out there to talk about the new way. Because part of the, in a new category for us, customer success, the first 10 minutes of my presentation is almost always, this is the way we used to do it. Those days are gone. We're in the subscription economy. We can't do it that way anymore. Here's the new way of doing things. Now you could take almost any technology and probably create that picture. Here's the old way that product management used to be done. Here's the new way to do it. Or here's the old way that marketing used to be done. Here's the new way of digital marketing, right? You can do that, I think, with almost any role. But you have to be really conscious about it. And if you decide to be really conscious about it and not just have it be a marketing thing, mm-hmm. say, we should have a chief evangelist. And it might not be a job that lasts for nine years. It might only be for 12 or 18 months. And then everyone's on board and everyone becomes an evangelist. But for some period of time, if you're really doing something that paints that persona in a brand new light, then I think chief evangelist might really work. And I think that's your experience, Ethan, right? You're just doing just doing communication, but you're doing it through a new channel, in a new way, new thought process, right? That's a that's a new thing that really a chief evangelist can have a real impact on that thought process. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's, email has its shortcomings and frustrations. We all know it. We have a different approach to it. Let's talk about that, you know? Yep. So- yeah, I had the privilege of putting it together as a TEDx talk and, and like you, wrote a book. Let's talk about that for a few minutes before we honor uh, the way Sangram uh, likes to end all of the Flip My Funnel episodes. So you literally wrote the book on customer success. It's called Customer Success. What was that process like for you and how does it contribute to the evangelism effort? It turns out it's a really core part of our evangelism. I don't think we made that choice consciously. Hey, let's write a book and have it published by a world-famous book publisher, because that's part of our evangelism strategy. We never thought about it that way. We were like humming along, doing our jobs. Everyone's really busy. Wiley called us one day and said, hey, this customer success thing looks like it's a big deal. Do you guys want to write a book? And the implication was, if you say no, find someone else to do it. And we're category leaders, so we kind of had to say yes. We said, yeah, we've been talking about that, which we had. No No one had ever put it in the paper. 
but at least amongst my CMO, my CEO, and myself, we'd always said, yeah, if there's going to be a book, we should probably be the ones that. But then we would go back to our 80-hour-a-week jobs, right? So it started that way. We signed a contract, and the contract was a six-month deadline for a final manuscript. So we're about two months into that six-month period is when I went to my CEO and I said, I think I'm better off not running the post sales organization. If you know somebody else who wants to do that, I know. And we did that immediately. And I became chief evangelist. And I said, hey, by the way, now I don't have anybody reporting to me. I don't have any operational responsibilities. We have three author names on the book, but someone actually has to sit down and do the typing. Right. So I, I raised my hand. I said, this is obviously the perfect time for me to be that person. I said to my CEO, if you give me permission, I'm saying no to everything for the next four months because this is the so that he said no to. So I did. I went and sat in my second bedroom literally for four months. And not quite because I went out and interviewed a bunch of people, obviously conversed with the other co-authors for lots of ideas. But we decided to write a book, even with multiple authors on it. It still has to be one voice from start to finish. So it's all of our thoughts. I just happen to do, I just happen to be the person who put the language on it. It's been phenomenally successful, way beyond what we thought. We published it. We thought this will be really cool. We'll send it out to a few people who will be part of our events. We'll give it away and things like that. And, and it just, I say it just took off. Not like Harry Potter. It didn't sell like Harry Potter. But for a business book, it sold over 50,000 copies, which is a lot. And my editor just recently said to me, I've done lots and lots of business books. He said, this is the first one I've ever seen that sold more in the second year than it did in the first year and more in the third year than it did in the second year. And what that said to us was we hit the market at the right. Mm-hmm. That's not about the book. That's about the customer success movement. But the number of times we hear from somebody who comes to us and ends up buying our software, that it started by them reading the book or somebody giving them the book or one of their people who worked for them had the book, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I don't know what it looks like from a lead gen standpoint, but I bet we have 600 customers. I bet 150 of them have become customers at least because they, they read the book somewhere. So really powerful, way, way more valuable than we ever thought it could be. That's awesome. I love that it is doing the work of evangelism while you are sleeping. Yeah, that's exactly like, like, like as a lead in or a leave behind, it just does a lot of work. It scales the effort, it seems like. The other thing that's really cool about it for us is we use it as a barometer of where our business should be. So it was selling really well in Europe. And we did our event here and it was really well received. So we said, let's go there. Well, now Wiley has translated it into Portuguese and Japanese, which means that the next two inside offices very well might be Rio de Janeiro and Tokyo, Japan, because the customer success movement is really hot in those two places, which is why the book is really selling well there. And that's why Wiley took the money and effort to translate the book. They didn't do that because it looks cool in Portuguese, right? Because they want to sell more copies of the book. Right. So we really use that as a barometer along with our events to say, where is the next place that we could potentially go in and actually sell our stuff? It's really, really smart to, uh, to use those sales numbers as a guide to where the traction is. Hey, I would enjoy continuing to do this, but I know you have other things to do today and I need to get mm-hmm. on the airplane. So Sangram always likes to have the episode be actionable. So can you recommend some kind of a challenge for the folks listening today? I'll give an evangelistic challenge. I would say this. If you don't think your company needs a chief evangelist, then I would ask you hard questions about how much you're innovating. Because I think if you're a real innovative company, there's a leading edge opportunity to evangelize. 
what you're doing. That, that picture I tried to paint, here's the old way of doing things, here's the new way. You don't get that by adding new features to a CRM system, for example. That's not innovation. But coming up with a, just a completely better way or different way of doing things, and that might not be the application, but it might be the channel. It might be the first of that kind of application that's truly in the cloud, or more likely these days, the first of that kind of application that's truly mobile. So I would say the CEOs out there, if you don't see the place that a chief evangelist would have a true, true impact on your business over the next 18 months, then you are probably in an older industry. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can, you can have a nice company in an older industry. But if you're trying to be innovative and you don't see a place for the chief evangelist role, I would argue that maybe you're not being innovative enough. So I would just challenge anybody out there to either carve out the role because you really are being innovative or at least carve out the messaging of that role to be shared amongst a number of people. It doesn't have to be one person, obviously, but it might be really valuable to give somebody a 12-month period where that's their title and just go find lots of large groups to talk to about how we see the world differently than the way that it used to be done. So good. So smart. Dan, if someone wants to connect with you or with Gainsight, uh, what are some ways they can do that? Yeah, they can find me, obviously, on LinkedIn. Dan Steinman, it's S-T-E-I-N-M-A-N. And my email, if someone wants to just shoot one directly to me, is just dsteinman at gainsight.com. Awesome. I appreciate your time and insight so much. It was a pleasure, and I look forward to connecting up with you again. Yeah, it's always good talking to you, Ethan. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.